All right. You turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John. 1 John comes after uh, comes after 1 and 2 Peter. Find 1 John. That was away. Somebody must have wore my microphone. All right. It's catching a little nose breathing, so that drives me crazy, so I'm sure it drives you crazy. I'll try not to let it happen again. All right. Hey, all right, so we're in First John. Kids, you're with us this morning, so we need to get you involved with this a little bit. I need, uh, need your help. Could somebody please tell me something you are afraid of? What are you afraid of? Benefair? Oh, the boogeyman? Okay. That's, this is already derailed. We're like five seconds into it. Anyways, be afraid of the boogeyman. Okay, that's all right. Okay, all right. Anybody else? I'm gonna. I'm. Yes, Bryce. You hate clowns. I can I get an amen on that one? All right, all right. Afraid of clowns. What does it mean to be fearful? Can you guys tell me what fearful is? What do you think, Ellie? Fearful. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry, sweetie. Eli, do you know what fear is? What's that? It's where you're afraid. Do you think that sometimes adults are afraid? Are sometimes kids afraid? Yeah. Yeah. Now, who can tell me what love is? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Anybody? When you love your mommy. All right, that's good. Nice to know there's some 80s rock fans out there. All right. The uh, love. Did you guys, what's the opposite of being afraid? Do you guys know? What's the opposite of being afraid? Not afraid. I like it, Aiden. Thank you. What if I told you I think the opposite of being afraid, the opposite of fear Sometimes we say it's faith. Sometimes we say it's courage. I think the opposite of fear is love. And this morning's message is going to be a lot about that. But here's what I want us all to take away this morning. I want us to think about this. My challenge for myself and for all of us this whole new year is to treat others. What do you think I'm going to say? Treat others with respect the way we want them to treat us. You guys are all dancing around it. This is what I want to challenge everybody. It's a little bit of of a twist on it. I want us to treat others the way God has treated us. And this morning, I want to talk to all of us about how God has treated each and every one of us. And the story of how God treats each and every one of us is found throughout the Bible. Where do we learn about Jesus' life? What are those books called? The Bible. There's a specific part of the Bible. It's called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we are going to learn this morning from the book of John and also 1 John about how God loves and takes care of his people and his creatures. 
how God has treated all of us. Before we get into 1 John, I want to think about the book, the Gospel of John, the life and ministry of Jesus. The way we understand how God treated us is by looking at the New Testaments, by looking at the Gospels. And if we're going to be in 1 John, then we might as well look at John's Gospel, because John, I believe, wrote both of the uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote the Gospel of John. So if we're going to get his picture of love, we should see how God loves in uh, the Gospel of John. And so just I'm going to highlight a few things very quickly. But in John 1, we are told that uh, even though Jesus was the Son of God, he was there at the beginning of creation, and Jesus uh, became flesh to dwell among us, to redeem and save us. We learn that Jesus is light in the darkness. In John chapter 3, we see Jesus talking to uh, Nicodemus, a religious leader, at night, and he's helping him understand what it means to be born again and to, uh, to walk with God. And we hear for the first time the famous words of John 3.16, that God so loved his world that he gave his only son, that we would be redeemed and saved and have eternal life. In John 4, we see Jesus interacting with uh, the woman at the well. And he's interacting with an outcast of society. And he teaches her about worship and about the living water. And he shares with the Samaritans and there's hope and love given. In John chapter 5 and John chapter 9, we see Jesus healing people. Everyone, uh, everyone that people cast aside in, in their culture. And he heals them because of his love. He doesn't fear the religious elites or their thoughts or of his actions. But Jesus, he exposes these people to his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his healing help. We jump to John chapter 11. We see Jesus weep for his friend Lazarus who's died. And we see his tears because of his love. Because of love, we see that God doesn't want anyone to perish but to come to faith in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 13, we see Jesus famously washing his disciples' feet, even washing the feet of the man who betray him, betrays him. A living illustration of the kind of love that God has for all of us. And that love, um, uh, in that love that he humbly washes the feet of his disciples, we very soon will see that Jesus will humbly wash us away of all of our sins. In John chapter 14 through 17, we see Jesus patiently, lovingly explain to his disciples what, it's, uh, what is about to happen to him and prepare them to know that what lies ahead is the crucifixion, that he will go to the cross, he will be buried, he will rise from the dead, and he will give his life as a ransom for many. In John chapter 19, we see Jesus Christ crucified because of his love for us sinners. Or as John says in 4.10, where he has put himself forward as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He will take our place. He will lovingly suffer. He will loving, lovingly take on the pain of the cross, the pain of our sins. He will take it all upon himself, revealing to us this incredible love of God and what great lengths he will go for our sake. Then in John 21, we see Jesus resurrected from the dead and walking on the beach and sitting around a campfire. 
and he reinstates Peter, the disciple who denied him three times, asking, do you love me? Three times, and then calling him again to follow him. In the Gospel of John, we see a Savior, Jesus Christ. We see a love so devoted to God and a love so devoted to the good of others that Jesus is willing to go to the cross to save and redeem and make new all of his creation. He saves us from our sins. And so when John picks up the pen again to talk about the love of God, I believe he has the fullness of his gospel in mind when he begins to write and encourage the believers in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and, and they in God. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in lo love lives in God and God in them. This is how, we, how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar, for whoever does not love his brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. We have in Jesus Christ the love of God. We are taught in this text so many important things, perhaps none more important than the truth that God himself is love. Over and over again in our lives, I think we have this this tension with who God is and what his real character is. It's this ongoing combative sort of sense of is God really as good as what people say he is? Is God truly love? And the answer to that, to this sort of false narrative that we have undermining our faith in God is the reminder of when God was with us, what did he do? But he empties himself. He pours himself out. He cares for us deeply. He heals the broken. He forgives the sinful. He cares for us beyond measure, beyond our compare. We cannot understand just how great and wonderful all of this is. 
And so we need to be reminded often that God himself truly is love. And the challenge of this text, I think, can be put simply. Treat others the way God has treated us. So then it becomes the question of how has God treated us? Well, he's forgiven us. He's been generous towards us. Has God been better to you than you deserve? I deserve punishment. And he's given me plenty of blessings. Friends, how has God treated you? Has he been hospitable? When you've run away and you've turned back to him, has he always been there ready to welcome you and love you back? That was precious. He did it so quietly so as not to cause a distraction. Then his quietness became a distraction. All of you turned your attention towards him. That's the reason why I'm recognizing it. I hate to embarrass a kid. I was embarrassed all the time in church. But anyways, I turned out really great. So uh, when, we think about, when we think about our relationship with God, it's always this ongoing tension because of the sin factor because of the blinders being on and not truly seeing God for all of His goodness. And the real challenge this morning is, if I'm going to say we need to treat others the way God has treated us, we need to have the right lens on which He has treated us. It's a risky thing because some folks might have a jaded sense of how God has treated them, that we don't have enough, that we don't have our lives in order and God's been holding out on us. And I want to challenge all of that because God has not held out anything from us because He's given us His Son, Christ. He's given all He possibly can to us to redeem us and save us and help us to see Him for who He truly is. If you want to know His character, if you want to know His love, you look to Jesus and you see compassion and you see healing and you see love and you see forgiveness and you see generosity, you see living water, you see living bread, you see the life eternal in Jesus Christ. And so if we have our lens corrected and we see Jesus clearly, then what's the other thing that's holding us back from treating others the way God has treated us? And I think it's fear. I love this text. Because it, I, I have read it multiple times, but this is the first time it really came out to me, is that he's driving out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There's no fear in love. I'm going to do something a little bit risky. And... Uh, I've not seen it done before. That doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. I just, I'm going to try something. There is a famous passage about love. It's 1 Corinthians 13. It's reserved exclusively for weddings, but you can read it outside of that. Uh, Love is patient. Love is kind. And so I'm going to do something a little bit risky, and uh, don't hold me uh, to the heresy fires if this is wrong. But I've gone through it and I've rewritten it. Uh, Only I've replaced love with fear. 
and I've made it negative. And so let's give it a try. And you tell me if it makes sense. Fear is impatient. It needs an answer right away. It needs control. It needs to know everything is safe and right. Fear is rude. It isn't kind. It isn't interested in, it's in, it's interested in self over others. It isn't interest, interested in caring for others, but caring for one's own individual needs. Fear envies. It envies what others have, the financial security, the relational security of marriage. It fear envies because it sees in others the security and control that it longs for. It says, if only I had what they had, then I'd be happy. I'd feel safe. I would know that I'm loved and I'm cared for. Fear, it dishonors others. It's self-seeking. Fear always has in mind self-preservation. The chief aim of self-preservation is to keep oneself safe, safe financially. So there's no obligation to give in a world where I need to keep enough for myself. It keeps me safe emotionally. No reason to engage deeply with people, emotionally connect on a deeper level, so as to safeguard yourself from getting hurt. We become emotionally guarded, build up walls, fear what people might think of us or know about us, fear that word will get out uh, against us. It's a fear of people and that trust will be broken. There's no need to honor others with fear because the only person you really honor is yourself. The only one with real value is self, so that that's what gets honored. Everything is about me. Every, every day is a day to, this is a pop culture reference, treat yourself. Fear is easily angered and keeps records of wrongs. Keeping records of wrong is essential to maintaining a spirit of fear. If we, we can remember and hang on to all of the things that have hurt us, all of the sins that have brought pain and suffering towards us, then we can keep ourselves from loving and engaging relationally and sacrificially. Fear delights in evil and it rejects the truth. Fear delights in evil. If I delight in something, I think about it, I talk about it, I enjoy it. Fear delights in evil because those who fear, that's often all they can talk and think about is the worst that can happen, the worst things that have happened. When they speak, what comes from their lips is the fear that's within their hearts. They delight in evil. Fear delights in evil because fear obsesses over evil. Fear rejects truth. The truth of Jesus is not on the end of our lips. When we fear, we are not considering the truth of the love of God, the safety of God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, fear rejects the gospel truth that Jesus is Lord over everything. It rejects Jesus holding all things together. Fear rejects truth. In reality... Fear can't protect us. It only hurts us. 
Fear is irrational and it isn't something we can trust. Fear is the antithesis of hope. Fear destroys us. It will always fail us. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. Perfect love drives out fear. The perfect love of God is Jesus Christ dying on the cross, vanquishing evil, conquering death, forgiving us our sins. And we have new life and freedom in Jesus Christ. And friends, we are free. Free to be the loving people of God. We are free to love. Friends, fear of evil handicaps us from loving others. Either Jesus conquered evil, sin, and death, or He didn't. We shouldn't hear of evil in our world and cower in the face of it. Rather, we should go into our hiding places and close the closet door behind us. And our response to fear should be love and prayer. We go to our secret places and we fall on our knees and we beg of God to make His world right. To fill our world with His love and His peace. We go into our secret places fall on our knees in prayer not in the fear of evil because fear is the rejection of the power of God's love how do we see ourselves living in fear how do we keep ourselves safe and how does that keep you from love it's the perfect love of Christ that drives out fear in our lives Perfect love is Jesus. It's seen His love and forgiveness for the sinners of the world. The perfect love of God is seen in His healing of the broken and the ostracized. And the clearest picture of God's love for the world is seen in His dying on the cross, vanquishing evil. In the resurrection of the dead, we see His conquering of death. There is nothing left to fear in the powerful, all-surpassing love of Jesus Christ. The question then is, how shall we live? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is made complete in us. Treat others the way God has treated you. And friends, I ask you for this new year to imagine with me and consider what a church we could be if we focused on treating others on the way God has treated us. How generous of a church would we be if we treated others the way God treated us? How forgiving of a church we could become if we treated others the way God has treated us? How caring we would be if we cared for others the way God has cared for us. When we treat others the way God has treated us, we'll find a church that is a safe haven in a world filled with brokenness. When we treat others the way God has treated us, we will find a place, a hospital, for those who are facing illness and brokenness. We will find among ourselves a healing balm for a world filled with sinful souls and brokenness and suffering. The church could be the better place in our world, the better place in our community, a place in which people would find refuge and salvation and hope in Jesus Christ. The church would not be a place overrun with evil, rather a people overflowing and overrun with the love of God. Do you want that to be your church? Let's be that church. And it all starts with us stepping away from fear and living out in the perfect love of Jesus Christ. Would you be that church? Would you love as Christ has loved you? Treat yourself, I'm sorry, treat your others the way God has treated you. Let's pray. God, we love you. And you have driven out fear from our lives because of the perfect love of your Son. And help us to see that the enemy is defeated, that death no longer has its sting, and that salvation in Christ is for all people. And for the moments where we lose sight of your goodness and your love, let us see that you are faithful, you are righteous, you are holy, you are good. God, the way you have treated us is in benevolent kindness and grace and favor and righteousness and forgiveness. God, if we could just grab a hold of that, we know that you would form a community here that loves you and seeks you in everything. God, help us. Help us to see how we can love and care for one another in patience and kindness and not keeping records of wrongs. God, let the spirit of bitterness wash away with the spirit of envy and jealousy, 
the things that seek to disunite us, may we find unity, peace, and love in our church family. God, that we may walk together and point people to you. We hope and we pray that our life together would be something that the world actually sees and understands it needs. That in this new year we would grow together and grow closer to you. We pray this for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. That as we seek first your kingdom, Lord, we'd also seek your righteousness. And you would build your church. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. John teaches us that God is love. So I'm going to do one more rewrite. God is love. God is patient. God is kind. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no records of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. Because God is love and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them and this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world we are like Jesus friends let's stand and sing of the love of God